Hello, and welcome to this episode of EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey, and I'm your host, and thank you for joining me. I'm super excited today. I have, we're doing the EQ Parent Roundtable, and on the EQ Parent Roundtable, we get to talk about what is going on in our lives as EQ parents or those who are striving to heal their inner child through their parenting experience and really truly trying to learn how to reparent themselves. On this episode, I have the pleasure of having Jesus Strite. She is a dancer and actress from Los Angeles who currently resides in Cologne, Germany. She's taking a break from her career to take care of her 18-month-old son, Lucian. We have her lovely sister actually is joining us too, Erica Elizondo. She is a certified holistic coach and she created this really great program called the 40 day healing journey. And she currently teaches nutrition and cooking for kids. And she's really passionate about childhood nutrition and sustainable living. And she just recently moved to Ojai, California with her husband and nine-year-old daughter. And then last but not least, we have Daily Little. Daily is a healing practitioner, transformational coach, and ordained priestess. So you better not mess with her. And a teacher who founded the Healing Heart Reiki where she helps others navigate life with joy. She teaches classes on healing and mindset from a magical, peaceful corner in the world of Northern California. She's in one of my favorite areas of Napa. She's the mother of a thriving 13-year-old son. And welcome, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yes, hi. Thank you for joining me on EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child on the EQ Parent Roundtable, like I like to call it. And we're just going to have a discussion and talk about what it's like to be a parent and what emotional intelligence means to you and your experiences. You know, it's just going to be a fun conversation. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> oh, ready. Well, first of all, I'm just going to say hello and briefly introduce you again. It's Daily Little, Giza, and Erica Elizondo. Giza, I don't know what your last name. I see. I'm, a, I'm Stride now. I used to be Elizondo. I know. Stride, yeah. yeah <laughs> Erica and Giza are sisters. So, yeah. <laughs> and they're on different coasts. So, Giza, tell everybody where you are. I'm in Cologne, Germany. Mm-hmm. And Erica? I recently relocated to Ojai, California from New York City. Mm-hmm. So po- population 8 million to population 8,000. Wow. <laughs> wow. <That was laughs> <it>. Yeah. <laughs> and Daisy, yeah. where are you? I'm not far from Erica. I'm out in sunny Northern California. In the Sonoma County wine country. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And of course, most people know I'm in Amsterdam. I'd much rather be where you guys are right now. <laughs> you know, beautiful weather and oh. Mm, but, I know. I feel you. It's freezing over here as well. <laughs> I know. I, European people are like going, oh. okay. So what I always do is as I go around the round table is I kind of just ask a few questions to get the conversations rolling. And so I want to know 
what motivated each of you to have children? And I will start with Jesus. Tell, tell me, tell me how old your how, how old your child is and all that pertinent stuff. And okay, then- my so my son Lucian is just turned eighteen months, and I'm forty. So. Honestly, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids. Mm. When I first met my husband, he was pretty set on it. He was like, for sure, I want two, two boys. And I was like, well, you know, and I'm, I'm three years older than my husband, three and a half. And I just wasn't really feeling it. You know, not only was I not willing, I guess, to give up my <laughs> freedom and my wild ways, I also didn't want to really bring a child into this crazy world. And I thought that was selfish on my part. And then flash to, yeah, a few years ago, I just said, you know, I'm in my late 30s now. I'm basically made to have kids, you know, in my mind. I mean, not everybody is. I'm just saying biologically speaking. Yeah, I feel like my my, my biological, what do you call it? Your clock. Thank you. <laughs> started ticking. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it and we said, you know, it feels right. I mean, we love each other. I kind of feel like it was the next step in our path. And we said, okay, let's work on it. And I literally got pregnant like two weeks later. So (laughs) there was no, like, I kind of saw it as something that was going to happen like in the next year. And it just honestly happened way too fast. Yeah. And that's, that was my, my, my path. (laughs) Yeah. And so the universe said, okay, she's ready. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. All right. And your son is 18 months. What's his name? Lucian. Elia Strite. Wow. What a what a powerful sounding name too. Okay. Yeah, he's an awesome boy. He's yeah. he's great. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. you know, you're like many other women that, that biological clock starts ticking. But now that he's here, what's that like for you? Like is is that changed a bit? That motivation at first it's the clock, but now What is that like for you? Well, honestly, for me, it's been really challenging because I left California. We're we're originally from California. So I left following a man. You know, I I left everything. I left, I dropped my career. I dropped, you know, family, friends, everything. And I decided to come after somebody. Mm. So love, love was the motivation. And I have spent the last five years doing little things here and there. I have a yoga certification, so I did a little bit of that. I also was acting back home, so I've dabbled a bit into that industry here, but it's it's not the same. You know, it's yeah. it's not Hollywood, California. So I haven't really worked per se. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of been the housewife, you know, even before Lucian came around, I, I played that role. And it's so unlike me because I've been so independent since I was super young. And then I came here and, and sort of became a really a different person. Yeah. And I started to actually not approve of who this person, you know, has become. And so I've had, I've really have had a lot of personal struggles with sort of finding myself again. And then, you know, you have then a kid and then you is basically non-existent for a while until you sort of, you know, get your bearings around motherhood. 
which now I feel like, okay, I'm starting to get it a little bit. I'm trying to stop breastfeeding. Okay. It's 18 months now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So you sort of, you know, you're a bit of a slave <laughs> <laughs> to, to your children and that's okay. So I, I battled with it. And then I said, you know what, right now I'm actually actively looking for work, but I'm constantly rejected because people look at my resume and they're like, well, this person, you know, she hasn't yeah. worked in over five years. Yeah. And so I just said, well, my role right now is just to be a mom embrace and I'm it. just yeah. embrace it, embrace yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm kind of doing now. Yeah, but every day, you know, there's challenges. I sometimes get jealous that my husband will like have, you know, the liberty to just go and like have a social, you know, mm-hmm. coffee with somebody or, and oh, I, 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 I don't know that, <laughs> you know, but you know, I can all, I'm well, also right now, it's not the best time to be meeting people. Right. Well, that's that. Don't worry. I want to give you some a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think moms <laughs> here can interject and tell you it's going to get better, though. That identity yeah. crisis is going to get better <laughs> because uh, that's what we all go through, especially the first, I think, four years or so, because mm. they're so <laughs> dependent on us. We lose who we are or we think mm-hmm. we lose who we are, but we're actually, we're just going through a metamorphosis. And Daly, you want to chime in and tell us what was your motivation? I honestly look back and to me, it feels really cosmic because I didn't necessarily want to have kids. Mm-hmm. It, that seemed like a far away thought, like I could entertain it, but it probably would never happen. Yeah. I'm 41 now. I'm going to be 42 at the end of this month. And so I, and my son is about 13, just turned. So I was in my like late twenties, just turning 30. And I thought, heck no, I still want to travel the world. I'm an artist. I want to keep doing art things. I was a dancer. I wanted to keep dancing. And I took a trip to Hawaii with my boyfriend at the time who I'd been with for a long time. And in some ways, I like to say it, it's because of Hawaii. Um, (laughs) We took this drive down to this sacred beach where there were waterfalls on both sides and black sand and rainbows and wild horses. And we walked out into the ocean and there at the ocean, I made a prayer from that place of beauty. And I, I felt that I'd achieved so many different physical things and practical things and material things, Mm -hmm. but there was this, I wasn't happy. Like there was an elusiveness to being happy. Mm. And I didn't really understand how I could be any happier because I wasn't sad, Mm -hmm. but I also just felt like there was supposed to be more, but definitely not kids. And so (laughs) my, in my prayer was like, I I remember looking out on that water and just asking spirit and asking guides and angels and whoever it was for help in truly being happy. Mm. And then I think we had really great sex and I got pregnant and I, <laughs> I and I didn't, you know, like, I was like, ah, oh. but actually like, I didn't know for several weeks. And when they did the ultrasound, they said it was like a couple of weeks after Hawaii, but I kind of don't think that's possible. You know, you know, like what's going on. So I think it was just Hawaii and having my son was the biggest heart opening experience I've ever had. Right. It was beautiful pregnancy 
but a bizarre experience where you have this being growing inside of your body. Like all I could think through most of it was, why don't they tell you like what yeah. happened here? Like right. all these moms look at you like, Oh, great. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Like, nobody told me that it would be this huge rite of passage and that oh. I would literally come out of the other end and not be me anymore, but be some new version of me like a caterpillar is nothing like a butterfly etc etc so you know it I did not really plan on it but he's fantastic he's amazing we've learned so much together he's a very gentle very smart child and it's so it's been a lot of fun yeah so beautiful 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 and Erica what about you what was your motivation what has been your experience thus far it's so funny because it's basically a combo of Jisa and Daily. <laughs> I also <laughs> I was just gonna say I, you guys remind me of each other. Totally you express yourself. <laughs> and our former lives as dancers <laughs> and artists and yeah. travelers, which I am telling myself is still who I am, that I'm not merely a mother or changed but that I'm more you know Mm -hmm. I'm a dancer and a mother even though I haven't danced in a few years (laughs) but similar situation where I was very very content I had come I was 35 I was very content with the life that I'd created the flow that I was in the connections I was experiencing and the total comfort in my body and in my existence And I also felt it was ecologically irresponsible because there's so many children who need mothers and so many mothers for different reasons who aren't unable to have their own, who need their children who are in these foster care systems. So I had all these like politicized reasons around why maybe I should skip it this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then I also went to the ocean and I had this moment because I've, I've been a teacher for so long, basically my whole adult life. And I went to the ocean and I talked to Yamaya and I was like, I know I'm a mother. If I meant to mother through my womb, I welcome it. And if I meant to mother in different ways, I welcome that too. I just want to be clear because I also had the biological thing happening. And so about, I don't know, it must have been within a month, I had a dream of my daughter. And she came exactly, not a little girl, but my little girl, Mm. her face at like 14 months old. And so my new boyfriend at the time, I was like, I woke him up and I'm like, we're going to have a daughter. And he's like, okay, okay, go back to sleep. You know, he was like, okay. (laughs) Whatever, crazy lady. All right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that was the other thing is like, he totally got like my, you know, ethereal, you know, cosmic downloads and just Mm. like with it so he's like okay (laughs) and so then I had my child and it's been a journey because I was like if I'm meant to mother then I'm praying to have this child who's going to be a gift to this world not not a load on this planet especially you know but of course I've bought into capitalism and I've bought into overconsumption and I've used the television, the babysitter, and a lot of like the, you know, the divine contracts I made at the ocean that day have sort of like they're on hold or like I found clauses in them. (laughs) So, So, you know, I'm doing my best here. She's 
amazing and she's also very connected spiritually and she's but she's also of this world so you know she's a Virgo so she's definitely in this world and so I'm doing my best to navigate you know the child as she is in this world and also to remind her through my own example and through my own experiences that she witnesses that she too is divine and that that's important to access you know to be a steward of this planet and to be a gift and to be part of the evolution that's so necessary for us to survive as a species Yes, yes, yes. And that's beautiful. I love all of your guys' stories because they're real and they're close to mine. You're just like this mesh of mine because I'm like, I was like Jesus. I was like, I'm not sure if I want to have kids. I enjoy my life. I enjoy my traveling. I enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, my, the unknown purpose of who I am. I wasn't sure who I was quite yet. And I I was 38 when I had my son. So, but I knew that if I was going to commit to it, my motivation had to be something very powerful in that I needed to make sure I was not going to put another human being on the planet that would become a burden. I wanted to put a steward, you know, and like you ladies, I have the spiritual beliefs about our energies and our purpose in this world. And I didn't know that by having him, my purpose would come to, to light. And that's the beauty of all children. So, Jesus, hold on, because that purpose will come. It usually takes a few years. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know what I need to focus on now. Mm. And it sounds, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what you want to focus on, because they're like these little inspirations, you know, and they really, I do believe children come to this plane of existence with a purpose and a message for you. And though it's challenging, especially in the beginning, and we're all in different phases of motherhood. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to get some dads on here sometimes. And it's just a, I want to change with emotional intelligence, people's ideas about what mothering and fathering and parenting really are about. And it's so deeply connected to your own inner child that it's such a healing experience. And if we can look at them as little messengers to our inner child who may have experienced some trauma or may have experienced a lack of direction, they really bring it into focus for you. You know, it's like they're your mirrors of the good and the bad. the good and the bad. So yes, that's beautiful. So you guys, I love that you guys are out here. It's so exciting. <laughs> First of all, I have not seen all you. I mean, I saw Erica about a year and a half ago, but I haven't seen all your beautiful faces in so long. And, and so these people have been in my life on and off since what? Twenties. Yeah. Like yeah. 20s. Early twenties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
None of us had children. We were wild. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. If I may also add to what you're saying, Trina, about how children come as messengers, I also feel like when they talk about, oh, the maternal instincts, it's real. It's real. Like you definitely graduate into this, you know, new vibration of understanding, you know, intuitively things that you may not be able to articulate. And I think that when we channel that that same power that we're gifted, when we become mothers, Mm -hmm. we're able to more clearly listen to the guidance from spirit as to what to do next or or what to become more of in order to be our highest selves in yeah. this incarnation. So I, I totally agree with you that they come as messengers and they come to refine our vision. And even yeah. though at first it seems like they're blurring it, in the <laughs> long run, once you settle into the role, you're just like, okay, I see, I get it. Because your work all of a sudden becomes so much more important because you know that there is a child that's going to grow into the world that you're creating. Yes. Yes. Because we create the society in front of us. We create that. And just like our parents created the society behind us. And so there's so much potential if we really understand these principles of emotional intelligence and what they really mean. So I'm just going to break those down really quickly for the, for people who haven't heard the podcast. Emotional intelligence is having self-awareness and knowing yourself, knowing how to feel in your body, how you feel in your body, and then how to regulate your emotions how to recognize when your body is tight that you, this isn't in that or is happening and I'm being triggered or understanding what the other person is experiencing through their triggering. You know, it, it, it's a regulation. So you just don't lose it. Now I'm not going to say as a parent, you will not lose it. Most definitely you do, <laughs> but I love the, I love that there's always an opportunity for repair and that's something that creates validation for your children too. Then there is motivation. And that the question I asked you is because when you know why you're doing something, you could also call it purpose. You go through it so seamlessly and so passionately that it doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel like a burden. And so when you have your children and you know why you're motivated to have them, then it's not a burden to you. It's not easy, but it's not a burden to you. It's, a, it's still love. And then there's compassion, empathy. And I use compassion because there are different kinds of empathy, but I think of the kind where I'm in your shoes. I understand your feelings, but I don't necessarily take it on, you know, but I, I understand where you're coming from. And that's something that we need to instill in our children. And, and it's probably one of the hardest things sometimes. Some of our children come into this world and they're already these little love. Actually, they all are. They These little love balls, you know, and then they turn into little narcissists at one period. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to remind them that they're these love balls because they're just trying to figure out themselves. And then the final thing is social skills, how we interrelate with each other, how we connect with each other using all those skill sets, you know, are in the environments that we're in. So 
EQ parenting is about instilling all those things into our kids from birth on. But it's a challenge when you are not aware of your own traumas and your own pains and things like that. So I'm going to ask you guys all this question. What's been your biggest fear about parenting thus far? Daily, why don't you start? I think that my biggest fear about parenting was actually after having my son, having this really precious life, you know, like in my hands and seeing his innocence. This is such a bizarre fear, but I, all I could think I was, it was a very dark thought. It was like, great. Now there's this beautiful, innocent child and he's just going to be hurt by the world again and again and again. Like I get to watch him be destroyed by people hurting him and life happening in him experiencing pain. And I think like my, the scariest thing in that for me was my own pain Mm -hmm. in witnessing someone that I loved going through that. It was like the pain of being attached and loving. And that was for me such a huge thing because I'd never experienced that before. So I think about like what Erica said about motherhood or birthing being like a graduation And I think it really is, you know, but when it's paired with consciousness, that it really is a transition, that's where that power comes in. And all of those EQ pieces make sense because really it's just about being aligned from this place of love. And so like the fears, like I didn't have, I mean, maybe I had fears of like, someone's going to attack us or we'll run out of money. But I actually felt that the process of becoming a mother and looking at this little precious life and then feeling so vulnerable and so ill-equipped and helpless to protect it actually triggered something inside where I, I just wanted to rise up as a mama bear mm. and... I decided that I would do anything I could to protect this life. And so like for me, it's kind of that, but I also connected to that idea of consciousness. I realized that being a good mother meant actually being really conscious about that vow in every moment of every day. Mm. And that there were so many times because you see this kid and it suddenly you're that kid again. Like you remember things about your childhood you'd never thought about. So mm-hmm. it's this weird, like hot box mm-hmm. for several years where your hormones from birth really do take three or four years to truly settle into whatever new pitch they're going to be. So yeah. you, you're not really even functioning from a real head place. It's all <laughs> emotion, like emotive and you don't really know what you're doing. And some people are really natural at that, but others like me had to just Maybe I, some people thought I was natural, but I had to like be freaked out a million times to understand how to actually nurture and take care of this life and to protect it. So there was this, I felt like I was constantly asking myself, okay, if I really want to protect my child, what is the higher level conscious thing I can do in this moment? You know, maybe he would do something like, I remember I took him on a road trip to LA for a business. And I rented a house for him to stay in and I had somebody, my mother was able to come to be his babysitter so I could have business meetings and do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I just remember one night in this modern house, all white, hardwood floors, white couches, white everything, and this cool indoor potted fresh plant. He just kept grabbing the dirt and throwing it on the ground, grabbing dirt from the plant, and throwing it on the ground because it, it just 
Like that's what kids do. They're like experimenting, power tripping. And I was saying, no, honey, don't throw it on the ground. No, don't throw. And I was pantomiming and explaining. And all I really wanted to do was scream at this kid. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? You have no idea what I'm going through. This is like that. You know, it was like, I felt like it was disrupting my entire sense of well-being. My mother was sitting in the back, just like cackling silently because she'd been through motherhood, you know? So her as the elder, she's watching me go through her mothering experiences as well. But I just remember kind of sitting down and like going, this is crazy. Like I have to learn how to parent and hold some sense of authority until this child can become an adult. Mm -hmm. And not go crazy and not be too permissive mm. and be firm. But <laughs> I did, I also didn't want to just smack the heck out of him. I really didn't feel that that was the way. So I was like, how do I convey to this tiny little gremlin creature that like truly like it's important for us to keep these plant dirt inside of the plant for the plant to live, you know? And I think that that kind of consciousness, most people just don't have the time on the day to day to even deal with, you know, but that, that was part of my vow of like learning how to love. Yeah, but I love it. I love this image so clearly of this little person going, it's just like little, like I can remind, you know, that Mandalorian, the baby Yoda, that's what it's like, you know, he just, no, that's not what I want to do. I want this. It's mine. He was teaching me something too about like freedom. Like, mm-mm, we're not doing this road trip this way where everything is in a box. No, no, this is not going to be perfection, mom. And one of the things that I always try to tell people is that be compassionate with yourself. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to freak <laughs> out. You're going to be okay though. <laughs> what about you, Jesus? What has been the most What's your biggest fear? The, my biggest fear, I guess, you know, now that I'm seeing him, he's 18 months and he's just, he's the kindest little soul. I mean, he goes around walking, you know, we live in Germany, so people are not the friendliest. I mean, they're friendly people if you get to know oh, them, but like on the outside, you know how it is. They're yeah, super stern. Just like the Dutch. And he will see somebody from across the street. Hi there. there. He just like goes around saying hi there to everybody and smiling and as much as they want to, you know, (laughs) go on their way and be stern. He just like, he just changes people's life in some kind of way already. And I see that and it's so beautiful and so inspiring. And I think, am I sophisticated enough in my own spirituality and my own discipline, my own education to know how to nurture that Mm. and let that just kind of grow and not ruin it, you know, Mm. because of my own lack of you know, my own lack of knowledge mm. and and your own I, past experiences, my own past experience. And, and I just feel like, and, and that was also a part of the reason why I didn't want to have a kid was I thought I'm not there where I want. I haven't reached the place where I would like to be spiritually, you know, and, and in other, in other aspects. So I, my fear is that I, I, I don't have the tools to bring that beautiful person to, to bloom. Mm, to keep, 
to keep the purity of who they are. Yeah. Because, because and not just, impose, you know, not impose my own insecurities or, you know, my junk. I don't want to do that. And I, I, cause I can see how my mom did that with us in some way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's just like, I, I want to stay as far away as I, I can from that. And sometimes like daily says, it's, it's, you just like, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm very orderly. I like things a certain way. And then he comes in and just like, you know, throws that completely out the window. So I've become much more relaxed. I don't have a stick up my butt. So I'm pretty relaxed that my husband's like, you're too, you're too chill, you know, like you gotta be stern. Yeah. And I'm like, but, yeah. And then, but you know, when I then lose it, then I lose it. And I yeah. have to say, okay, you take them. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see him. I need to go out and walk and like, just, <laughs> you know, take some breaths because take care of yourself. Take care. Yeah. Of yourself. Because I'm, I mean, he's, you know, we're in quarantine. He's also working from home, but you know, I would say I'm the primary caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And he's not in the kindergarten. He's, he's, it's just him and I, you know, taking, taking the, his responsibility or responsible of him. And it's, uh, it's exhausting sometimes. It really is. Yeah. Yep. 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 That sounds all very familiar. And Attica, (laughs) all very familiar. Attica, what's, what's been, what was your biggest fear? So my biggest fear has been to not make the same reactive choices as my mother. Mm-hmm. I love her. My sister and I, obviously we have the same mom. <laughs> so <laughs> she has, she had a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I understand how impactful trauma can be because I experience having to work through my own. So, you know, it's generational and it's also very, you know, specific to, to her behavior with us. So then that creates new trauma. And she was, you know, very emotional because of her instability. She, I find that I struggle with staying calm. And so I have to, I have to borrow that tenet of be patient with yourself because I have certain expectations and that I know is very challenging. You see how brilliant your child is, how, you know, able she is or he is. And you're like, well, you are able to, so why don't you, or why don't you want to? (laughs) And those are the things that drive me crazy. (laughs) And so I too, like my sister have to sometimes just walk away because my goal is to not become, and this is my fear, when I do have outbursts, I don't want that to be her inner voice when she's older. Uh, when yeah. I'm like, Camila, you are such a mess. And then I'm like, no, she's not. Then I go, but you don't have to be. You can make a different choice. Yeah. Just remember that your habits become your character and you're young enough where you can change your habits. So you can actually be a very orderly person and that could be your character. So I have to like constantly edify <laughs> the way that I speak to my, like how to address my original outburst, you know? Right, right. You, you, have, to, so, you have to walk it back. You have to walk it yes, back. Yes, yes. And so that's my challenge, but it's also my fear. I don't, my goal, especially, you know, being people of color and now thankfully, you know, having some money, like I, we try to do our best to give her all of the opportunities 
and to never let her feel less than because I grew up feeling less than just because culturally that was indoctrinated. You know, (laughs) if you're, if you are not white, you are not enough. And so I'm trying to change the language around that and, and even just her experiences. So my fears are that she would feel less than in any way. And also that she would have any kind of trauma associated with my outbursts because there's no reason because all life is good for us, you know? Yeah. So I need to just work through my traumas and that that's my struggle and my fear also, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I think that everybody who becomes conscious, it's like this double edged sword. <laughs> it's like one part of you is conscious which is positive, but at the same time, you're also reactive. You know what I mean? So that's where the self-forgiveness has to come in too, because one of the things you have to remember is your programming starts in utero up to about mm, 11 or 12. That's who you're going to be. And so that is the hardest pill to swallow. And what we have to do is actually create an environment of acceptance around people's traumas and learn how to not be so offended by them. And when our kids, I go through the same thing, you know, my mom was super loud and reactive and made me really not feel like I was enough, but was it her fault? No, there's so many socio psychosocial factors to play into that, especially as people of color, as Erica was saying that, we already have kind of like a target on our backs. And and I know that having a son was a really tough one for me. Having a black son. I mean, yeah, me too. I I, I like literally, I love my son so much, but I cried at that sonogram and it wasn't because I was going (laughs) to love that child any less. I just knew that being a child of color meant that he was going to have to work that much harder or be seen in this way or that way. And so that we have this global trauma that we have been experiencing for centuries. And that's where we need to get to an awareness about that first. And I'm hoping that there will be some type of accountability at some point so that that history can start to change. And I hoped it was going to be with Obama, (laughs) but we saw what we got after that, especially in the Americas. And so that resistance and that, that, that pain that's being created is actually they're undoing and doing at the same time, because there's like this total lack of accountability around what they have wrought, you know what I mean? But as we stay conscious, we can also go back and repair. And I mentioned that earlier. All of us here are going, oh God, I don't, I don't want to mess up my child. The truth is, is that when, once you make that mistake with your kid, you can always bring them back into the fold and say, that was a mistake. Because what you are doing is you're teaching them the process of accountability and the ability to apologize and the ability to feel validated. And that they're enough. Because if you have it within yourself to come to a child, because we didn't have that system before, you did what I said and you swallowed it and you went and ate your pain in silence. Now, like you, beautiful people on this call, you're becoming conscious of how you want to parent your child. So 
you don't want them to feel the same things that you felt as a child. And I never got apologies. I don't know about you, anybody on this panel. I never got an apology to say. A few. I did. But okay. the dynamic that I have with my mom and my sis, it's, it's interesting to hear her speak. It's, it's just, we share the same mom, but you know, it's always going to be different. Yeah. Everyone always has a different dynamic with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. It really does from child to child, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be different because your parents. And the years. And the years. Yeah. Just even if it's a year of difference in time, it's like that parent is so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Them, and they're the getting their practice on the first kid. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the bulk of the mistakes are going to be on that first kid, which was me. Yeah. 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 And that's true. Ziza. That's true. Because the parenting experience with your first child is so raw compared to the second child. From what yeah. I hear, I, I'm only having one because I can already tell how it is with my dog. So I'm like, Ooh, that one was good. <laughs> <laughs> can depend on the the situation too and the family like it would make sense that the bulk of your mistakes would be on the first child but I think about our family and I love my mom but she made different mistakes with each of us (laughs) you know and so she did learn a lot through parenting me as the eldest but she was also in in a different space where she had more time with me to work through the different challenges that were coming up and then when my sister came, her life was so different and there were new triggers. There was a different partnership that she did that in. And as a result, she suddenly was facing other kind of karmic life issues that she wasn't sure how to sort out. And so actually the experience of us as sisters were very, very close, but we had such a different way that we grew up, even mm-hmm. though we were in the same house the majority of the time. And like, as we've come out of that into adulthood, one of the things that we have all done as a family is like, we really talk about things and we have talked about the past and there have been some apologies now, not a ton, but some, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that the things that I can consciously recognize or the things that my sister can consciously recognize as having been not so good about childhood those are the things that as painful as they are, have been so much easier to heal as parents, right? Like I have a child, my sister has five. We have lots of kids where we get to see our family lessons playing out, but it's actually the stuff that isn't brought into that consciousness that is so hard to heal. So even in the past year and a half with my child, like we've had this wonderful sweetness throughout our entire 13 years together so far. I'm so thankful. And I think that that's what I needed as a parent, honestly, like that's just who I like what I needed to be. Okay. But there were so many times in that when I would get so frustrated with not knowing what to do. I would, I remember the first time I ever did this, I was so angry at my kid and I was like, Mama needs a timeout. <laughs> and he like looked so confused. He literally looked to the left and the right. Like she's so angry, but she's not yelling at, did she just yell at herself? And then I, I can repeat, like it was like an epiphany for me. Like I need a timeout. Like I actually need space to yeah. sort what I'm feeling and how yeah, I um, want to deal with this moment. And we've used that in the future. And we've, we have like rules where we'll give each other space. Like sometimes yeah. he's like, I'm angry and I just need space. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've learned oh, to not great. dive into that's that. Great. But like in that I've had in the past year and a half, this awareness, like, 
ooh, like he'll take that space and he'll come back with deep emotional intelligence about things and say things. And like one day I realized that there were ways in which I, as a mother, was kind of allowing my son to be emotionally responsible for my emotional experiences in life Mm. and like putting that on him, Mm. you know, like that he is a child should be acting a certain way so I can be happy. Uh, And and that's deep, you know, and it was like, oh, so that was a dynamic that had played out unconsciously with my mother in my childhood, where we as the kids were the, the emotional parents. Mm. And it had never been spoken. <laughs> yes. No that sounds nobody, familiar. <laughs> so nobody had anything to say about that, you know? Yeah. And so none of us realized that that was a huge part of the dynamic. And when he said something that triggered my awareness, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. That's when real healing began. So now this year, my whole goal through Black Lives Matter, through COVID-19, through everything has been to work on becoming conscious for myself about the things in my own childhood and with my child that I have no consciousness around learning how to see what I can't see. I applaud you. Mm. That is, yes. I love everything you said about that because it's such, (sighs) it resonates (laughs) with Mm -hmm. me as I think it probably resonates with everybody. Yeah. And there's a statement that I make to my child and I say it every time I'm upset. I'm upset. It's not your responsibility, but I'm upset with what you did, not what, who you are. That is how I explain my anger when I have it with him. Cause we're going through this phase nine, nine is hard. <laughs> <laughs> nine is hard because he's just figuring out, his bound like what he can do and what he can say and he's got the cool kid stuff going on and he wants to be like the bad boys and you know and I said to him I am upset you're not responsible for that but I'm upset (laughs) and the reason why I say he's not responsible for it is because we're responsible for our own emotional reactions you know you're triggering my trigger is what what I'm saying. Camila is nine also, and I'm experiencing that too. When you're talking about daily, about the sweetness, the constant sweetness, I'm like, we've (laughs) always had sweetness too, but lately I feel more challenged by her. And I wonder too, and maybe you guys can tell me since both you and Trina have this shared experience where I'm with her father. So, uh, you know, I'm married to him and we have a beautiful dynamic, but it definitely influences my parenting. There's certain, since we share her, I feel like we get a lot of time with her individually. And I wonder if that also affects like my role as the disciplinarian because he is the good cop and I'm the bad cop. (laughs) And I wonder like when you live with somebody where you have that dynamic and you're the enforcer, you kind of get asked out because you, you don't get to be the one to be like, but let's make this right. And let's go get donuts or whatever. He's the one who does that. So I feel like in a way, as beautiful as it is to be with him, I do get cheated out of, you know, the experiences of like making up together, just me and her. Well, I'm, I'm just getting out of the exact same situation that you're in right now. So I feel you that you can't, 
you don't get the opportunity to be the soft, gushy parent very often. Maybe Daly wants us to chime in on that. Yeah, I've been co-parenting, like not in the, you know, divorced, separated, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. from my son's dad for about 10 years now, which still, we're still figuring out details of that. You know, it's like never ending. Mm. But I feel like there are a couple of things that come up for me with this. Like the one, what I read in a book on psychology when I first got separated was that children really don't have the ability not to polarize. It's part of their, like how their brain is function, like how children's brains function, that everything is kind of black and white. Like they're, they're really dead cop, bad cop in their mind. That's how they can figure out what's safe and what's not safe. Absolutely. And the ability to see shades of gray, the ability to, to reason and understand that things can be more complex than that really doesn't kick in until much later, like 16, 17, that begins. Yeah, and it doesn't sure. even fully like grow in, into the 20s. So 21, think, 23, 21, yeah. 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think like understanding that really helped me because it gave me this like new reality that my son, in order to feel safe in the dynamic of anything in life, at times would probably make me a good parent or a bad parent. There'd be good cop, bad cop. And I, I've seen that play out in relationships where parents are in the same house. And it's also continued to play out in our relationship where there are two houses. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that I've learned by being alone with him for these long periods of time because of how we share, you know, like there's less coping time where like, I can't just pass him off at a whim when I'm tired. Right. 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 Enforce these other dynamics. I've really learned that it is up to me to create the sweet moments so that he feels polarity in me. Like maybe that I am good cop and sometimes I'm bad cop and that that's how he deals with that polarity. Uh... And so his dad and I, in the bigger picture, he understands, like, I see him play that out. And in some ways, I was the bad cop when we separated, because I was the one that wanted space. Mm -hmm. But he loved me, and he didn't know how to reconcile that, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and his dad was a bad cop in other ways, because he can be a bully. Mm -hmm. And so But remember, children need polarity. So when we did something really healthy and how we separated, he took the polarity on for himself. Mm. He decided that he had to be bad if we were both good. Ah, yes. And we had to undo that. We had to undo that. And that's when I just really got it. Like kids really can't, they can't figure it out. So you can just create these really sweet moments with your kid you know, and like really allow yourself to just be however he perceives you, but to really move in love and you have to let go of the judgment. As she grows older, she'll develop that ability to, you know, yeah, you more in more complexity and she will look back and then remember from that new space, things that have been said and that kind of thing. Yeah. We have this great relationship, but like, yeah, I think I sometimes see that my son now has made his dad the bad cop in certain ways in order to process. And it just goes back and forth. Yep. But you have to make the space. Yeah. What they're doing, and I I was going to tell you this because it was so perfectly eloquently said daily, is that gray area that adults live in 
is actually a structure that we create. And that's because that allows us the wiggle room to not be accountable. And kids are like, I don't get that. I don't get that. You either did it or you didn't do it. And that's actually healthier. (laughs) That is them seeing. Yeah, it's the clearness of accountability. But us as adults, we live in this world of relative truths and we create all this gray so that we can wiggle out of the feelings of guilt or some of us shame. I don't like the word shame. Shame is the ego, the dark side of of the ego. But we don't want to feel bad. So we don't want to say no. We don't want to do the things that are hard that make make people look at us in a negative light, including our children. So but that's that's reality. That is the reality. Well, and how powerful is it if we do, like, I'm just thinking about what you're saying, and it's like, how powerful is it if we do take that responsibility? Like, instead of me saying, I'm not the bad person, I left because I needed to, what would it do for my kid if instead I said, I did leave, and I am the bad, like, I did leave, I am the bad person, I broke this up, and I would do it again, and I stand by that, and here's my reasons. And how would that feel if he was allowed to just understand that as a strong choice yeah and look back at it and then and later as he grew look back at the reasons why and make his own decisions right it's a very different energy very different and the thing is is that we need to as a society and a culture need to accept that we have to find a way to accept that but we have a hard time because we're programmed not to create all this gray in order so that we can feel okay. But how about feeling okay even when we mess up? And being honest through the process because I don't know, maybe you guys are like my sister and I where you grow up normalizing secrets and lies and trying to turn those lies into truth because you hear them so many times, you know? So... In my parenting also, I talk to her through my process and tell her, you know, I still struggle with this or, you know, I also have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder that can create a lot of hormonal havoc. And so (laughs) I'm very susceptible to uh, to that, you know, to mood swings that I do my best to breeze through because I know it'll pass. Mm-hmm. So I talk her through that, you know, like sometimes I'm like, this is a day that I, even though I slept nine hours, I'm exhausted just mm-hmm. existing just mm-hmm. because of my condition. So please forgive me if I'm snappy love, you know, and I, I talk her through it instead of the old school way of like, do it because I said, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, don't question me. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, I have that side. I'm not saying I don't have that we side. Do. I'm saying I, have, I have to check it. I really have to check it because I do want her to know who I am. You know, yeah. like she she saw this lady at the park who was like the epitome of soccer mom frump. 
okay? No chic. And she's like, oh, mommy, from the back, she looks like you. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> that is so not me. You have no idea how cool and sexy I am and how much play I had before your little shit came into my life. Of course, I don't say it, but I'm like, mom, I'm not. I, okay, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I was like, okay, I need to like not wear my hair in a bun all the time. I need her to see me dancing around the house, you know? So I want her to know all of me uh, and, and to reveal it as we go. Erica, Erica, Erica embrace, embrace your mom, soccer mom, okay? Everybody's been there, girl. Everybody's been there. My family, I my, my family thought I lost my mind when I stopped wearing makeup. They were like, I was like, I'm not living in that paradigm anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not. I'm okay with me without my makeup. Thank you. I but, know. I've had to clear out all these shoes. And she's like, you used to wear these, mommy? Really? <laughs> I was like, I not only wore these, I rocked these. <laughs> and I would dance professionally in these. And she'd okay. be like, what? Yeah. So, I, I just re- a relic. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently showed Harper a clip of me on Allie McBeal from back in the day. He's like, Oh my God, mom, that's you. I said, I told you I was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Don't believe me. But it was another life. It was another life. And it's like, you know, and it's okay. And it's okay. We get to go back, savor the memories and then share them with our kids. And then create new ones. Create new ones. It's It's like the clear mirror of truth that the child offers, right? Like I know earlier this year with COVID, I couldn't go to the gym anymore. My gym closed and it just like, that was hard. And I didn't really have within me with all of like the stress that I was going through with things to recreate my health habits or whatever. And I started eating. I started gaining weight. I got the heaviest I have ever been in my entire life. I gained so much more weight and I didn't like how I looked and felt for me. It's never been about my weight. It's been about my strength. And like, can I, you know, do I feel strong in this body, but my knees were hurting. My back was hurting. I was getting all kinds of weird stuff from not being able to cope with what was happening in my body. Like it was just too much fat, too much, too little exercise, right. not good food. And my son did something very similar, Erica, to what you're discussing, where we went to a boba place. I don't know if you guys know what boba is, but yeah, it's like yeah. a had one drink. Today. I had one today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we went to this boba place in town. And as we were getting out of the car to go in, he said, mom, oh my gosh, I almost thought that was you. And he points into a restaurant with clear big glass windows. And it was the back of this woman. And she was so, so like, I did not know that that's how I looked. It was how I felt, you know, she was so bigger than I would have imagined. And her shape was not my, the shape that I have ever had in, in childhood or whatnot. And it was just like, it was frumpy and she was wearing frumpy things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's not me. I I said, really? You thought that was me? And I kind of obsessed about it for 10 minutes. I was like, what did you think? Was it her hair? Was it her shoulders? Was it her butt? Like, you know, I'm looking at her big square butt and I'm looking at her and I was just trying to figure it out. But I thought he's telling me the truth. He has no agenda here. No filter. This is how he's seeing me. And he, and from love though, like 
from a place of love. He's like, yeah. I almost thought that was you, you know? And, and for me, like, I and look at that, I was like, okay, as a mama, like, I need to think about who do I want to be and how do I want to look and feel yeah. into my 40s, into my yeah. 50s, into my 60s. Like, mm-hmm. I need to rock this new thing. And our country, like, idealizes nubile young yeah. women and girls. And yet yes. there are beautiful, graceful aging women. So it didn't take much. That was like traumatic for me. And I hired a woman, a nutritionist, <laughs> to actually begin to like look at my food patterns and yeah. like my cooking patterns and to heal that so I could start to lose some weight. Yeah. You know, and it was great. And it, it's been great and for me, but children are the mirror. Yes, and he are. probably has no judgment about that woman. No. We're the ones who yes. have all the judgment because my daughter was like, oh, I like her pants. And I was like, yeah. those pants are so 1998. There's just no judgment because I do make it a point to not talk about body image negatively at yeah. home. Yeah. And I yeah. always tell her, you know, everybody is different and I was telling her about a friend that I ran into at a funeral a few weeks ago who was like I am at my ideal weight she looked gorgeous she looked you know healthy mm-hmm. and she's bigger bone than me and she's my weight and she was proud of it and yeah. I was like yeah because that yeah. fits your body I didn't say that but in my head I'm like I love that this is such an example of it's not about weight it's about how strong you feel yeah. in this weight yeah. that I am I it's not my body it's not my build yes. so it, it's it's excess but for her it was perfect and so yeah. I try to instill that in Camila but it is true that there are children don't see them especially the way that I mean I, I already know I've seen you in action Trina I can tell daily and of course my sister's an amazing mom that we don't we do our best to have them you know see the world in the most beautiful of ways yeah. in the most pure of ways so he didn't have that judgment it's just us that's like oh my god that is it's not, not me <laughs> yeah, yeah my son doesn't have my food patterns and habits and he doesn't have my and I have not, I've worked consciously to not pass them, but it's, I think it's that mirror of childhood, the mirror of the child where we're able to even see more deeply where we have little knots and tangles in our program that we contend to love. And that's why, and that's why this is about healing the inner child too. This is this self-awareness around where your wounds are. Gosh, this has been so good. And I hate to end this, this podcast where we're like an hour and a half in. Oh my God. I was like, I could go on and on and on, but I always want to end the podcast with something. What are you going to do with your own healing? to pass on to your own child from this point on? I can start. I feel like what, this is also something that I've really been thinking about before today, is to be very present to the wounds that reveal themselves, even if it's in front of her, Mm -hmm. and to be honest with her through my processing of those wounds. I've had to do that. I've had some serious challenges the last several years, emotional, psychological challenges, while simultaneously being extremely blessed and extremely joyful. So, you know, I've lived in the complexity and in the gray, and I have whatever she sees me experiencing, if it, you know, if it's shocking to her, I do my best to 
explain to her what I'm feeling and how it's just a moment and it'll pass. So that's really important for me to be transparent in my process of healing with her because I, I want her to understand that we need to process yeah. And, and not shame the process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and sister Jesus, what about you? I think it's similar for me, not being ashamed of your emotions. Mm. For me, I've always been a very emotional person. I've always, I would cry for everything. Mm. And my mom would actually mock me and say like, oh, what, are you going to cry about it now? Or oh, my sister would ask me like, and did you cry? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, but I wanted to. Mm. And then I came here and I, you know, my husband and I have a completely different upbringing, for example, and also the way we deal with things. Well, he's a man, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. So we obviously deal with things in a very different way. You know, it culturally, just there's many differences. And there were a few times, so since I've been here, I feel like I've hardened. I, I really kind of said, okay, well, I don't need to be emotional about this. I can be strong about it. And, you know, I, I felt like he felt uncomfortable sometimes. So I really kind of swallowed a lot. Oh. And then, you know, the baby came and then I was like a, an emotional mess again. And there were times where I would cry and he'd be like, don't do it in front of the baby. And I was oh, like, oh. yeah. And then he didn't mean, he didn't, you know, it wasn't a, he didn't mean That's harm enough. by yeah. it. And then he's a man, he's a man. He doesn't like, get it. He's a German man. But, so he doesn't get it. <laughs> Swiss. But Same yeah. Thing. And then there were a few times when he was like, oh, you don't need to cry about it. And I said, no, I want him to feel okay. And I want him to know that crying is, it's a cleansing thing. It's it's detoxing. And sometimes if you need to cry, you just cry. And there's nothing wrong. Mama cries. You can cry. I understand what you're going through. And he's going through so many changes. And sometimes that's what catches me and, and makes me, keeps me in check from not losing it because he's this little being who's going through so many changes every day, like drastic ones, you know, they're growing at such high rates at this time that I cannot knock him for it. Like he just has to have his moments and his his tantrums and I'm just going to let him be. I'm not going to knock him. And I just want him to know that that's okay. Accept the tears. Accepting the tears. Yes. Okay. And daily and you, I think having grown up in a, in the culture, like I'm mixed race, black and Japanese. And I think part of this was because of cultural pieces and where I was growing up, there was so much focus on perfectionism and and that being a coping mechanism, like to be perfect and to create a perfect life and to do the perfect things and to get the grades and, and to have perfect moments of beauty. I think motherhood has been this huge lesson about how toxic that can be. (laughs) And that when you're working on being perfect, a lot of times that means suppressing your feelings and your emotions and your true desires and thoughts, they become subservient or subsumed by the need to show up in a certain very specific way, according to social standard. So I think for me, like the thing that I'm looking at as a mom is how to deconstruct that in my experience in raising my child. And, and we've been, I've been learning how to take perfectionism out of it. And I still have that, the belief systems like, yeah, we're here to get straight A's. Like you better finish that homework and take the advanced math class or whatever, but like trying to really find the soft, sweet places inside of all of these dynamics where my kid has real 
permission to feel what he feels and to hold that up and to feel accountable and responsible for that, whatever those feelings are, and to live from that true place. And the best way that I've been finding to do that is to learn how to do that myself. So that's the healing that I'm working on. That's beautiful, you guys. Oh my gosh. I'm just full right now. just so full thank you thank you all for coming on and sharing being vulnerable this is so important and vulnerability is a superpower as we can see as more and more people are expressing it and and talking about their feeling i see i feel this wave of healing that is happening from it so i'm so appreciative that you came on my podcast and expressed your feelings of fear joy anxiety just where you are in your healing process so thank you and i hope you guys have a really blessed rest of your day Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Trina. Thank you, ladies. Wow, that was an amazing conversation. So healing, so vulnerable. And I thank the ladies for really opening up their hearts and sharing it with you who are listening because it is important that we share our experiences with each other because it is one of the greatest pathways to healing to know that we're not alone in our struggles. So I thank you all for listening and I'm going to be taking the holiday break. So you won't hear episode until after the first of the year. I appreciate you listening and trying your best to be an EQ minded parent, because I truly believe that emotional intelligence is the way that we're going to heal the world. So thank you and have a blessed day and blessed holidays. Mm -hmm.